Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. We are your hosts. I'm Mr. Craigers. And I'm Miss Melboy. And tonight is episode 51. Mm-hmm. And during this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the 1981 underrated uh, cult following beloved slasher film, Happy Birthday to Me. Woo! Woo! And the reason we've selected this title is because, if you don't know, if you're a new listener to the show, or perhaps if you've forgotten, my lovely co-host, Miss Mel, and I share a birthday. Yeah, we do. That birthday is upon us. And so... We decided to do take a look at some birthday themed horror. Now, I believe last year, I don't think was it last year that we did Bloody Birthday, or was it two years ago? We did like it two right years after ago. We I don't. I don't think we did anything last year for. I don't think we did anything birthday yeah. related last year. Oh, we. I think we did it because it was right before the movie. Oh, and we were just like, this is a birthday present to us. This is a birthday present to us, and we just talked about it stuff. Yeah, that makes sense because yeah. the movie came out on September seventh, I think. Yes, something like which, that, 7th or 8th. Yes, September 7th, which is... Two days. Today, from. the release day of this episode. Yes. So look at that. How about that? Time's a flat circle. <laughs> so they say. So, yeah, so we're going to take a look at this um, fun, weird, <laughs> yeah. ridiculous Canadian slasher. But you know when you say something's Canadian, it's going to... it's. You're never going to have a dull reaction. I can't guarantee it's yeah. going to be a positive reaction. But yeah. it's going to be mean, something. I mean, this movie bombed at the time for a reason. But, but it also got banned in the UK. Yeah. It also, <laughs> though, on the other hand, developed a, a cult following for a reason. So, yeah. I mean, you know. Um, it is what it is. It is what it is. Before we dive into... Um, the our birthday party shenanigans though let's do some quick horror headlines for you guys now i think something worth talking about um Mm -hmm. is the fact that guillermo del toro has begun production this past week on scary stories to tell in the dark finally finally um the Production and, and notes about the production up until this point has been notoriously uh, tight ship. But I think, even though we're only a couple days into the production, some details are starting to, to leak out. Everyone's just so excited. Because everyone's just so jazzed. Um, and we're all ready for scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, Which one was your favorite scary story of that book? <sighs> I know mine. Um, either Harold, mm-hmm. the one with the scarecrow, yeah, or the red spot. Oh yeah, with, with the spiders crawling out of your face. Mine was, and to this day, I still, when I get in my car, like Maybe the, I don't know, one of those might be from the second one. I'm sorry. Anyway, well, I consider it all one big thing. They're sure mm-hmm. enough. Um, but um. Yeah, so I, uh, to this day, I still, when I get in my car, like, you know, reach around back there just to be like, anyone here? Because high mm-hmm. beams, like, messed me up. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. Um, High Beams is a good Yeah, one. that one was really good. I still think about it constantly. And it was the first time a story ever swerved me. Like, it was my first time as a child, like, experiencing a plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's part of why it stuck with me so much. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, that one, that one still gets me. That, yeah, that's a good one. I, I, I would add that in my top ones for sure. Um, also of interest, uh, da, 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 da. Um, there are talks apparently happening for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre TV series. Who? Now, okay, so... <laughs> <clears throat> you made a face. <laughs> I'm like, so far, like... The attempts to do, you know, horror TV have worked in the sense that, like, you know, they've worked for entertainment value. And I guess, like, The Exorcist was actually fairly well received. Yeah, I do. I would like to watch that. I haven't yet. But, but I'm always very skeptical when, like, ever since they did Scream, like, what is your aim here with taking this, like, horror classic? You know, or are you just going to turn it into, like... Because with Scream, all they did was take the name and, like, the vague idea right. of, like, a masked killer. So it's like, what What do you... Right, and it's so, like, they've been so different. Like, Scream just took the, the brand, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, the Exorcist kind of did something similar, but I think it was also functioning as a prequel and in the same universe. Mm-hmm. And some are maybe a sequel. Again, I didn't watch it. I don't know. Um... But then, like, you also have things like the From Dust Till Dawn TV series and Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah. Which um, were, were, like, directly related to their movies. So, mm. I don't know. It's so weird. You can, you're not sure what's going to happen. Yeah. Speaking of uh, horror on TV, though, um, we are, well, at the time of this episode, it will have already premiered, um, the Purge 10-episode uh, TV event. Mm, TV yeah. event. <laughs> event series, they're calling it. Um, September, beginning on September 4th. Um, so, obviously, we'll be checking that out. It looks pretty good. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think... That'll do it for some quick horror headlines. I think by the time this comes out, The Nun will actually be released that weekend. Oh. I think that's the weekend The Nun's coming out, so. it's a lot going on. Everyone go see The Nun after you listen go to this. Go see The Nun. Everyone enjoy. Yeah. No, it looks like it's going to be. I'm actually very excited for The Nun. I mean, I'm always yeah, down for The Conjuring Universe ones, but this one seems I have high hopes for it. We'll yeah. see if they get crushed, but I have some high But hopes. hopefully not. Yeah. No, I and I actually think um, Baby Formiga looks like she's <laughs> she's doing something solid. And again, I have a theory that they casted her on purpose, but we'll see. Oh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I don't really... That's only, like my only horror headline at the moment. I think we covered pretty much the big ones. That was my cat. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I don't know if they heard it or not. Well, yeah, not. Listen, cats love fun. Oh, here's a horror headline. I found a musket ball, and I think I'm cursed now. <laughs> a, a revolutionary specter has been invited right. into Miss Mel's life. Yeah, I've done something wrong. This musket ball. Mm-hmm. I had a string of bad luck. But 
Headlines of Horror. Headlines of Horror. So. True. One of the companies that helped produce this movie was called the Birthday Film Company. Sure. I, I believe yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I believe it. I believe it. So, yes, I think we're ready to dive on in to uh, the episode proper, if you are, Miss Mel. I am. All right. And that, of course, is going to be 1981's Happy Birthday to Me, directed by the famous Jaylee Thompson, mm-hmm. sorry, Melissa Sue Anderson, and Glenn Ford. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about all of that and then get into the movie itself. But first, let's take a listen to the trailer. Mm-hmm. So, Happy Birthday to Me is a (laughs) Canadian slasher from 1981 that was definitely part of the the glut of slashers that followed in the wake of Halloween, and more particularly in the wake of Friday the 13th, uh, which was released a year prior. And of course, we know that after the Friday, the first Friday the Thirteenth movie, slashers were all of the rage. And within several years, some fifty mainstream slashers had been released to the public. Um, some of which, sur- you know, survived and became franchises. Others of which faded into obscurity. Happy Birthday to Me was one of the latter until it uh, developed a cult following. Uh, throughout the, the late 90s and the early 2000s and into today. Nice. <clears throat> so it sort of falls into um, a couple different slasher categories. We've got the, the, the psychos on campus, sort of like subgroup going mm-hmm. on there, right? You know, it's set at a high school, um, young teens. Yeah, it was very prom night, a little bit. It's very prom night. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has that feel. And, of course, Prom Night being released shortly before this movie. Yeah, I'm sure that was a, a point yeah, I'm not contention. sure which, which one I think into- Prom Night came... If it came first, it did not come first by much. I think it came first, but I think what's interesting is that this movie was in production first. Oh, well, there you go. Which is something you have to keep in mind when people talk about different rip-offs. Like, yeah. like for example, Cabin in the Woods. Like... That was produced and then came out five years later. Right. Like, because he, Chris Hemsworth did that before he even did Thor. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he only got the part in Thor because Joss Whedon actually suggested him from working with him in Cabin in, in the Cap- Woods. But Cabin in the Woods came out, like, way after Thor ever came out, so. And that was always funny to me because I just thought it was obvious just based on his physicality. He's not nearly as large in yeah. Cabin in the Woods as yeah. he is for Thor. Yeah, no, he's like a normal human-sized person. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still like a jock, but like... You no, know, he's Yeah, he definitely has like a physique. He's not, he's, you know, the god of thunder size. <laughs> yeah, he's not like a Mack truck coming at you. Yeah. Or screen. Um, so yeah, so definitely... Um, and, and, and another thing, I think you saying similarities to Prom Night, not only like the Psycho on Campus sort of subgroup, but it, the, the whodunit. Yeah. We've done it, Slasher. Yeah. You know. Um, Which, those are always so fun. I mean, I think that um, 
Like, I just, I love myself a good whodunit slasher. Like, um, what do you call it? Um, I know what you did last summer was kind of a little bit like that. Like, obviously, Scream, like, the entire point of those movies was to make it a whodunit. Like, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. And I like um, that it's, it, it takes that part of itself. Like, it's less casual than, like, Friday the 13th which is technically a whodunit slasher, the first one, mm-hmm. because we, we don't know and it is a mystery, but then it's, it's this character we meet five minutes before the end. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong, the ending to this, to Happy Birthday to Me is ridiculous, but <laughs> it's, um, it takes itself a little bit more seriously in terms of trying to lay out the clues for you. Poor Jenny. Um, oh, Ginny. It's also one of those slashers where um, uh, a a crime of the past Mm. is what's influencing the events of the present. Again, Scream. Again, Scream. And I guess uh, Friday the 13th, too, right? That was kind of the first thing to sort of... A little less so. It does it differently, obviously, because the idea with Friday the 13th is that it was like this sort of like overhanging like urban legend kind of story that you're like oh yeah this kid and then you know it plays in at the end when you're like oh look it was you know who, look who it was and here I feel like it's more present throughout in, in Scream too, it's like more present throughout yeah I agree yeah anyway. um it has a, no yeah it has a um this movie has a very sort of like giallo feel to it like all of those um, mid to late seventies Italian slashers, which were like very high camp mm. and, uh, the, the killer wearing the black gloves and over the top kill scenes. I feel like it was like, it has more of an influence from that movement even than as yeah. our, maybe as much as it's influenced by American slashers. Yeah. It's equally as influenced by Italian um, Gialli films. But. So. Um, Happy birthday to me. Uh, Canadian film. Filmed in Canada. But posing as America. Which is always fun. So there's this joke <laughs> in Canadian productions. That like they. You know. You very much. You can tell. I have a friend who. Um one of the guys I worked with in Toronto, like his mom worked on Canadian productions and he was like, you can always tell just looking at something for five seconds, like based, it's it's always the lighting and you're like, that's Canadian. (laughs) But the funny part is, is that like, you know, all these things are filmed in Canada, but they pretend to be like undisclosed America. Like there's this joke that it's like, yeah, it's this Canadian film that's supposed to take place in small town America like they never name where it's supposed to be but it's understood that it's somewhere in America but it's just a bunch of Canadians like in these roles um and I love it (laughs) and it does that thing that I love where in order yes (laughs) in order which I I would very much like a third season of they're doing a third season oh are is that confirmed yeah good 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 I don't know where it's showing but I know they're doing it I assume Netflix. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to try and like jump off of because I don't know because Netflix doesn't release its freaking 
statistics, so you never know what the yeah. ratings are for things. But I mean, there's always Shutter as well. But that would that'd be nice if they moved to Shutter. Yeah. Um, which of course we're pimping now, thanks to Lindsay. Yeah. I actually I got it, Lindsay. I got Shutter. And you know yeah. the first thing I watched? The Cube. <laughs> Did cube. you? Right? I guess it's just Cube. Yeah, no, I watched it with a friend because we were bored and we were like waiting for somebody else to show up so we could watch Avengers. And I was like, let's put Cube on. It's on. Yeah. All of them are on there. You can watch all Cubes. All three Cubes. Cube Squared. Cube Squared. Yeah. I love Cube. Speaking wow. of Canadian. Yeah. Oh, but, but anyway. Yeah. I was just going to say that it does that thing that, and I love, where... It's a it's a non-American film, but the story is set in America. And in order to convey that to us, there's just American flags everywhere. <laughs> I want you to believe. I want you to really believe this is America. Yeah. That being so, said, though, they're not wrong because people right. do that a lot around here. They do. They do. I mean, like we love and and it's great flag, like, I guess. And if you like, and if you like, go read about this. Like they do say that America is sort of the only country where Americans like display their flag, like mm-hmm. at their homes and businesses and stuff. That's not really something that happens in other countries. It, yeah, um, it happens a little bit in Canada, but it's not nearly as like when I saw a Canadian flag outside somebody's house, I was like, oh, that person's being weird. Yeah, like, exactly. It's a very weird thing. Um, to have a flagpole in your front but, yard. And, I, and I love that they just kind of, well, let's just do this and that way everybody will know. Um, and it's also something that I equally love because there's no reason that this has to be set in America. <laughs> <laughs> I love when things are forcibly set somewhere and I'm like, but for why? Yeah. Like, no, no. And like, I guess at the time, just, I, I don't know if they just like, oh, if it's not set in America, like American audiences won't watch it. I, I don't know. Literally, but. if you didn't say, if you said it in Canada and like named the city offhand and that was it, nobody would notice. Mm-mm. They'd be like, all right, whatever. So yeah, freaking Hamilton that's up in, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. All right. Like you could just say the name of uh, like a common town name, like that any kind con- any like. Yeah. There's, there's a Hamilton, New Jersey. There's a Hamilton, exactly. Ontario. Which one is it? We'll never know. We'll never know. So, but anyway, so it stars um, uh, uh, 70, uh, 70s darling, we'll say, Melissa Sue Anderson. Now, of course, Melissa Sue Anderson is best known um, for playing uh, Mary Ingalls on Little House Little on the Prairie, yeah, which of course many of us, I, I I know I did, I'm sure you did too, mm-hmm. grew up watching reruns of Little House on the Prairie. Um, I feel like I was, it was always on, like I was always catching it on like a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it was always, it was always just in the, in the. You know what I caught a lot? I don't because I don't think it was on Nick at Night. I think it played on like TMC, TCM rather, um, like probably is like their daytime stuff. And then like on the weekends, weekends. Yeah. I definitely feel like, you know, it was that kind of thing where you'd be bored. There was nothing really to do. Nobody was around. You're like alone on a Saturday afternoon. So you're just flicking through and you catch Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. And then, and then you find, you then you watch like three episodes in a row. Yeah. You're like, I'll just watch this. And then you're like, Oh, whoops. I yeah. did that. You know what I did that with a lot? Um, as far as like old stuff goes was Wyatt Earp. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
That I feel like was in that same block too. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that that theme song, why it hurts? <laughs> like that was like a thing for me. Wow. That's oh my gosh. Yeah. Takes you back. <laughs> that it does take you back. It does take you back. Wow. Yeah. That in Gilligan's so, Island. Gilligan's Island was the other thing that I watched religiously to the point where like. If I was a child and they had Gilligan's Island trivia for children, like bar trivia, I would have fucking crushed. crushed it. Yeah. Well, in Gilligan's Island, were they also sort of in that TCM block, or were they? Like, I watched. They might have been. Night? I watched them on Nick at Night. They okay, like came yeah. on at night. It was like the first thing that came on at eight o'clock when it transferred over to Nick at Night, and then it went into like. And then. I love Lucy because I used to watch them back to back. I love Lucy. And then wasn't there like, and then I feel like in the summer, it was like those two. And then like, you could get some um, happy days. Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. And maybe I got some happy days. Um, You got Three's Company. Three's Company. Some Beverly Hillbillies. Yep. That came on. Yeah. And that you got was... the, obviously the Brady Bunch. That was the Oh, one. the Brady Bunch. Like, I would watch it through and we'd get to, the, like, the Grand Canyon episode and then you knew you were getting close to when it would start over again in season yes. one. <laughs> I have this vivid memory of being at a neighbor's house and it might have been, like, the 4th of July. I think they were having, like, a big party cookout thing. And we happened to be inside. Um just briefly and we caught the the grand canyon episode of the brady bunch and we were like well we, well, we have to just stay here now and no, finish sh- it through well, god damn it like we put it on that's that was the best one yeah i love that one that was the best one awesome and then they went to hawaii didn't they go to hawaii and that the hawaii one was good too though yeah that was good too though point is is that the point is melissa sue anderson uh, was a staple of your childhood, probably, if you're close to us in age. Most likely a staple of your childhood, yeah. Um, if Yeah, exactly right. And so uh, when Happy Birthday to Me came around, um, of course, this movie came out in 81, which was near but not quite at the end of uh, Little House on the Prairie. It would still go on for, I think, four or five more years, maybe. And... The movie was used as a vehicle to move Melissa Sue Anderson out of television. Unfortunately, the movie bombed. Oh, no. And so she returned after, um, sort of after the movie was released and it didn't do well and and what have you, uh, she went back full-time to the show, and that's when they introduced, remember the storyline where she goes blind (laughs) and all of that? I don't mean to laugh, but, like, it was weird. It was weird. Um, that's that all happened after this, and I don't know if it was meant to be like some sort of like a punishment for Melissa Sue Anderson, like how dare you try to leave, or or if it was supposed to be like you tried to do this like grittier adult thing, so we'll give you this like gritty dark storyline. I don't know. I just know that it happened. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that was the conversation. Yeah. I don't know. So. <clears throat> It's a very interesting movie, Happy Birthday to Me. And what it's known for, or one of the things it's known for, is that there was no uh, planned ending while they were shooting. Whatever happens, happens. (laughs) Whatever happens, happens. Um, 
Or rather, there were several different endings and there was no agreement on which one it was going to be. I assume this is how Game of Thrones Season 8 is going to play out. Could you imagine? I sure hope not, given <laughs> given this nonsense. Um, now, the rumor, which I think has been confirmed at this point, was that the original ending was that... Uh, you were going to find out that Ginny's mother's ghost, ghost was the killer and was possessing Ginny in order to carry out the murders and get re- revenge for the birthday party. Um, that was kind of what everybody, uh, when sort of the cult following grew up around this movie, that's sort of what everyone was chatting about. Um, whether or not that's been confirmed from anybody on production who would have known, I'm not sure, but that's been the chatter for a long, long time. But it definitely, when you watch the movie and you get to the real ending, you can tell that like it, it was decided last minute. And when, and when they did decide, they didn't bother to go back and reshoot anything to make it make sense because it, it doesn't make sense. Um, but we'll get there. And uh, uh, so other production notes worth mentioning, of course, uh, Glenn Ford uh, stars in the movie. By all accounts, he was doing this for whiskey money. He was well into his alcoholism mm-hmm. at this point. Probably. And apparently it was, was very difficult to, to work with on set. Um, Glenn Ford, very A-list actor at the time. Um, many people will know him as uh, Jonathan Kent from Superman. Um, good old Superboy. Yeah, um, and so his presence actually kind of brought like a lot of prestige to this slasher, which was rare at, which, at the like, time. Sean and you do see in some of these old films, <clears throat> you see people that you that like were big name actors, or at the very least, like they didn't do things like this, and they show up in some of these old horror films, and you're like, what? what how did that happen? What was going through your head? Yeah, absolutely, and he's one of them. Yeah, and he's one of them. Doctor Faraday. Uh, yeah, and then uh, <clears throat> the movie was directed by J. Lee Thompson, which, um, if you don't know J. Lee Thompson, J. Lee Thompson was a director who had gained a lot of prestige at this point for directing um, Guns of Navarone and the original Cape Fear, and. He was uh, considered a very um, influential um, British film director. Um, obviously, those two movies very important in um, cinematic history. And so, this move for him, which was was driven by him, he wanted to direct a horror movie. Well, or, or I think he wanted something about straight horror because he had done Cape Fear, which is very sort of like horror ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so he made this move, which um, was an interesting move for him, and was the last movie I believe he directed before he um, was contracted to do all of the uh, the canon films, um, which is a completely different story. So, and anyway, anyway, let's dive on in to the plot and just sort of uh, suss it out, shall we? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're here for. 
Awesome. So, Ms. Mel, would you be kind enough, would you set the scene for set us? Set the scene. What's going on? Where do we begin? What's happening? So, we begin at Crawford Academy. Ooh, yeah. It's cool. yeah, a good place. Huh? In, in, somewhere in America. We've <laughs> established. <laughs> um, and there's, like, basically, it's a very clicky place because it was the 80s and clicks were all the rage. Sure. Um, and basically, there's this group of... This is the thing is, like, I never had something like this. I don't know if you did. Like, did you have, like, a group name for the pop, like, the, the group of... Uh, no. Yeah. So we didn't no. even have, like, a group of kids that I would consider, like, the most popular, richest <sighs> kids. Like, that wasn't, like, a thing. So it's, like, I don't know if all these <laughs> movies were lying to me or, like, the 80s and 70s were just different. Yeah, right? Well, the worst part is, like, when you have, like, people like us, and you grow up, like, watching these movies, and, like, I was fully convinced I knew what high school was going to be, and I was convinced it was going to look like an 80s and 90s, yeah. like, horror teen slasher. I was like, where's my greaser? Yeah. And yeah. then I get to high school, and it was nothing like that. Yeah. So, um, basically, but, but this no, is your... No, we... Oh, oh, sorry. Well, no, go ahead. I just... I don't know if it's because... Um, my school was too small or, or what it was. I mean, there were definitely like, not like cliques in the sense that mm -hmm. we sort of think of cliques, but there were definitely like social groups, Yeah, which usually which, centered around like what activity you were involved in. And we had that a little bit, but there was like a lot of cross contamination. Cause like the chick who she was like the drum major in band. She also did drama club. She was also like the student treasurer like of yeah. our entire class right like so it's like yeah. you crossed all these different groups kind of so, so it's we like hard to we had that a lot too and I think because of just the small size of the school I went to I graduated in a class of 150 and so like I was I kind of thought of myself as a drama kid because that was like my main activity doing theater and what have you mm -hmm. but I was I like I was also the editor for the school newspaper. And I was also on student council and I was in, you know, French society and da, 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 da. And like, and most of my friends, like my circle, we were also all of those things too. Yeah. So, or, yeah, or I wasn't like, that was the thing is the only thing I was super involved in was drama club, but everyone in drama club was also like part of this group of people who ended up being nominated for homecoming queen and stuff. So it was like, there was just a lot of like, People just kind of did everything at my school, and I think part of it's because, like, like the socioeconomic situation of my school was all the same. Across, like, it was like a yeah. plateau. We were all the same. Like, not to say that's what differentiates um, cliques, but I feel like that plays a huge part of it in films like this. Because the point is, is that, you yes. know, this, this top ten rich. group in um, Happy Birthday to Me is, like, also the richest kids. Like, they're the most yeah. popular, and they're also the richest. Yeah. So maybe that's... No, part, you're... I don't know. I think that's a huge part of it. And I would agree, like... There definitely were socioeconomic differences in my high school or mm. class differences, if you want to be awkward about it. Um, <laughs> but there were there were no really... There were no super rich people. Yeah, and, yeah and no, we I, never had, like, that kid who showed up in a Porsche. Like, the best car that we had was, like... Maybe somebody drew drove an Audi. 
Like, yeah, and that always got weird because we had a um, the best had car a, and worst car. Yeah, so you to yeah. for best car, at, and at you know, and ever, no one ever knew who to vote for. Yeah, um, so I, I was also like, I don't know any of your cars. Yeah, but no, totally. Like, I think that's a huge part of why clicks like that either happen in movies or happen in real life. I don't know, and why we didn't have any. So you know, there were no plastics. There were no heathers. There were no. Yeah, yeah no, there was nothing like that at at my school. Yeah, but. no, but they were at Crawford Academy. Maybe we yeah. should have gone to a private school. Maybe that's what we oh, that's maybe. Where we messed up. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but yeah, so there's this group of kids they call the top ten. Which? <sighs> what a name! Okay. The top ten of what? I like I <laughs> the don't, school. <laughs> school like <laughs> i like what's what's the criteria how do you get in like, you literally just have to be a, a somewhat attractive 80s teenager with a lot of money i get, get into this group but um they like do this thing where like this is another thing like they meet regularly at this like bar around yeah. town which is you know okay you've you're popular but you also have like your own like midnight society like that's a little whatever yeah. <laughs> they, you know, they get together to just talk about how great they are or whatever and, you know, life. But they do. On one night, <gasps> a female named Bernadette. Bernadette. I was like, but there's a girl, there's a woman I work with who's also named Bernadette. So I was like, is it that or am I just remembering? Am I just thinking about what happened? About Bernadette and Ops. <laughs> no, this is Bernadette O'Hara. Yes, Bernadette O'Hara. Who is played by Leslie Donaldson. There you go. Um, a big 80s horror actress who a lot of people will know from Deadly Eyes and Curtains yeah. and like a couple Bernadette's others. Bernadette's not going to make it far in this movie, though. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Bernadette um, is making her way to their nightly cult gathering at the bar, and she is assailed by an unseen attacker. <gasps> and she has the wherewithal to kind of like trick him a little bit, um, and like you know try and fight back, and then like run off <clears throat> and all this other stuff. Eventually, she she does get free, and you're like, oh, look, there she goes. She's she's running to freedom. And she runs up to this person that we don't, like, really see. And she's like, oh, it's you. Like, it's kind of like that. Oh, um, my God. How many times do people say that in this movie? I, I feel like that episode of um, Family Guy that's the, the, and then there were none. or well, And then there were fewer. Uh, there were fewer, yeah. They were playing off of this the amount of times. They're like, oh, it's you, he or she, who is yeah. now in the... <laughs> Wait a minute. Like, this movie kind of does oh, that a lot. The man or woman who's been killing him. Yeah. So she runs up to this person. She's like, oh, it's you. Like, so we're meant to believe that she knows them. Um, and she's like, oh, you got to help me. There's like this crazy guy who just attacked me. And then this person just slits her throat. Which, okay. So there's a scene, right? Where Bernadette gets attacked or whatever. Like, why? She, she does that thing, which like. You have to shake your head at. <laughs> well, the thing is, is she's smart enough to like do a little bit of like. She does the fake out. She does the fake out. She's like, I'm dead. I'm dead now. Like, and you know, she does that uh -huh. thing that everyone always says. You know, they'll because do because the killer is trying to um to strangle her. Yeah, and she pretends to, and she does that thing that you always tell people to do in movies. <laughs> it's like just pretend, just say pretend it worked, pretend to be dead, like pretend he got you. Exactly right. 
Um, but then, but then after that, when she's able to escape, she does the thing where she runs away, but she only runs like a couple yards and then she stops. <laughs> and I'm safe like, now. why aren't you running away properly? Like, Go to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> that nice open space full of people where all your friends are at, like. It's such, it's such a thing or whatever. I also like, just like off sidebar of that scene as well like just because like I'm also like a true crime person when I watched it again for this episode I'm like manual strangulation takes a lot longer and like that's why like a lot of people should know that (laughs) and a lot of people just give up on that and that's why people are usually beaten and strangled or stabbed and strangled because someone starts trying to strangle someone and they're like this is taking forever it's really not as long as it is in the movies um but of course it's a movie yeah yeah, so she <clears throat> is done. She is our sacrificial prologue girl, right. uh, as you as you were. Um, but her friends are like, ah, "Where's Bernadette?" <laughs> like they like start to notice that she's not not there. But they're like, "Oh, it's whatever." Um, <clears throat> and they go about their their weird rich people gathering. So, um, do you feel like? Okay, like, we know, like, the top ten. This, like, I had this this morning, right? Like, when I was like, my mom will totally notice I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> and do something about it. Nope. Nope. That's what happens here. Is they're like, well, she's not here, oh but my they God, don't do anything. happens here throughout, like, a yeah. week or whatever, yeah. or a couple of days. Well, like, she'll show up eventually. Like, they just, they have no sense of urgency about this. <laughs> So do you, do you also feel like, okay, like we're told or what, like, okay, they're the top 10, which is apparently a thing that like everybody calls them. It's like the sons of Ipswich in oh my God. the Covenant. Cause like the, the principal or the headmistress or whatever, like, yeah, like what when are, she what runs into Bernadette, get in on it. yeah, she's like, oh, the, the silent woman, you mean the, the second home of the top 10? It's like, like, why what? Are teachers? Why are, you, why are you encouraging this? I actually have a friend who, for her birthday, our other friend got her a mug that said, um, I'm going to make you my wiatch. Nice. And then she got a bunch of Sebastian Stan themed tea. Like it was different bags of tea that just had shirtless pictures of him. Gosh. Why have we not gotten that for Colleen? I don't know, but don't listen, Colleen. You might get Colleen, that. For pause. Stop listening. Skip. Skip five seconds or 15 or whatever the thing is. Um, um, but no, because yeah, the teachers like know about the, the them and like what they're called. And that interaction is so weird, like with the dog and she's like trapped in the leash or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but do you also feel like, okay, the top 10, like, I feel like they're all kids that like in real life would never have hung out with each other well yeah because you've got the french chick like there's Ginny, yeah. who's like you know like your stereotypical like popular pretty girl like all of them are like it's like they were like what token stereotypes from high school can we take and for some reason they all hang out together because they're popular it's so weird at their college-esque high school yeah yeah they're well yeah they're um I guess it's like, I never went to prep school, so it's like, I don't know what it's like, but I assume that, because it's meant to be like preparatory, it's preparatory school for college, right? So I guess like that I buy a little bit. I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess I also. But I've never, also never gone. So and the majority of America school. has not gone to prep school, so like. Right. And yeah, I, well, yeah, yeah, I didn't either. I guess we just have to go off of. I'll assume this What happens. we see, and what we see here tells me that prep school is 
um, a, a place where fest. everybody is 40 and doesn't behave like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, so, this group of Mitch mismatched people, like, they, Mr. Craigers is right, like, they are very bizarre. It's not like your normal, like, oh, like, you can see how everyone kind of, like, connects in a way. It's just like, it's like, all right, here's this weird group of strange people who somehow, like, have something in common. I don't know what it is. We don't really talk about it. But for some reason, they hang out. They hang out. And all, maybe their, their thing in common is that none of them give a shit about Bernadette. Um... <laughs> Because it's like, whatever, she doesn't show up, and then they're like, they go to leave, and they're like, um, going to play this game on, like, a bridge? Mm-hmm. Like, again, we play, we did shit, right? Like, you would do things and stuff, but, like, we never did anything, like, the first of all, we never had a drawbridge. Let me start yeah. there. This drawbridge, which, by the way, like, that no one mans. Yeah, no, it just, like, it goes up and down on its own for some reason, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they're playing so they play this games. game. Yeah. I don't even know if it's a real game. But they're they, like... Well, they, they call it the game. <laughs> I hope it's not a game in real life. Yeah, no. Um, I, ho- I would hope that you would behave better on drawbridges. Well, and also that, like... So they leave, right, after they leave the bar, or after they get kicked out, right? Like, yeah. they almost, like, fight the the Shriners or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We're, like, seeing, like, really drunk and... They do the little prank. Yeah. And they leave and they go to play this game on the drawbridge, which is like, a, oh, can you jump it while it's going To which up? I'd say no. No. And I'm like, okay, like, was this always your plan? Or like, do you just know like the timetable of the drawbridge? No, and like, you guys just, like you purposely like, or did you get lucky or, or whatever? Um, have you always wanted to do this secretly and now is like your time to to do it? Like you're like, oh my god, we finally got to the drawbridge right when it happened. Right when it happened. And that's another thing too, right? Like they make it seem like this is something they've done before. But then like Yeah, because they're like the game. What's we're gonna do the game. Yeah. But then like after it happens is when we get Jenny's first freak out. Yeah. Cause the She's game like, I didn't I didn't like that. That was awful. The game goes poorly for Jenny. <laughs> um and she almost gets hit by a car. She sure does. Um, she does not get hit by the car, but she she freaks out, and the car like ends up like crashing as a result. Um, or no, she, the car doesn't crash. She does the car crash, or they like they do that thing where like they go like off in the road and kind of like down into like the, <laughs> disappear behind a like, into like right, a half ditch or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and then so. she's like, ah! and she literally like runs away into the woods because yeah. she's freaking out so much. And all the rest of the top 10 are like, <laughs> but guess where she runs to? Oh my God. That's the best part. Well, yeah. Cause everybody else is like, oh, that's okay. She lives over there. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be fine. She'll get there. <laughs> so this car like hits the ditch or whatever. It like clearly can't d- drive at the moment. And she takes off and she runs right to she runs to the cemetery and just happens to pass her mother's grave. Right? Which, okay. So my question, they say she's going home or whatever. She's running to herself. She's lives over there. She ends up at this um, cemetery, right? Mom's grave. And I'm like, is that in your backyard? Like, Did are you- we suddenly in a, in a Hammer horror film? And we're at, like, in Gothic world? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like, it's probably one of the laziest instances of, of 
of exposition I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, but then how about like, how about the super lazy detail of not only does she end up at mom's grave, but there also just happened to be a pair of shears right there where she starts trimming the grass. Around. Oh, nobody's taking care of this. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like a video game where you just pick shit up that happens to be right where you need it. Like, you know, you're about to take on a boss. So you gotta like, um, that's too good. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Well, this is going on the French chick. Etienne? Yeah. I could. I can never say French names. Like, I'll hear them and I'll think, okay, I can do it. And then I'll read them later. And I was like, oh, that doesn't look like how I expected it to. And then I get in on my own head about it. But uh, Etienne is a creep. Yeah. I don't know if this happens, like... I recall it happening around the time of the shears at the cemetery scene. Yeah. Well, then, well, Jenny goes inside. Yeah. And gets, there's that, like, gets that home. weird, like, her, like, weird mood swings with her dad, where, like, Dad, I just cleared mom's grave. What are they're you totally fine. About? And then she's like, nah, 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 nah. she does that 80s teenager scream. I love the 80s teenager scream. Like, there's so much weird energy between her and her dad. Yeah, uh, you're like, I don't know if there's, like, a, a, a Bev Marsh thing going on. I, ugh. But, you know. Um, so, yeah. Well, that, then, was, well, no, go ahead. So, Ginny, yeah. So, we, we meet dad, and it's weird. And then Ginny goes upstairs, and... Um, she's in her bedroom and she turns on the most generic fake rock music in the world. They didn't have a lot of money to license things for this movie. Yeah, and it's just like, and it's all instrumental. There's no words. It's just like the idea that a teenager would listen to this. To instrumental rock music. Yeah. In 1981. In 1981. <laughs> And anyway, and so Ginny's flouncing around her bedroom and she's taking her clothes off. And I love the thing where she hangs them back up in the closet. Like she doesn't put them in like the laundry or the hamper or whatever. <laughs> she's like, these are dirty. Let me just. <laughs> yes. And there's sort of this long drawn out scene where she sees that the window's open. And so she closes it and then she's running a bath to get ready for that. And she's walking around in her diaphanous nightgown and. <sighs> It's all about the gothic nightgowns. Yes, and in the end, this whole scene, this whole extended, like, semi-stalking scene, right, with ATN, it means nothing. Yeah, no, Etienne's just, I don't know, like, and again, like, I feel like this is evidence you said of, like, different ideas getting scrapped or, like, whatever, just because, like, Etienne's, like, jacking her, like, underwear. Yeah, her panties get so, which those... Like beige sequin panties or whatever. That's what a guy wants. A beige bra. Right? I was like, oh my God. The, the like poor people in the 80s, the underwear game was not strong. No. <laughs> yeah. Beige, beige under underclothes were not a great thing. No, but you, yeah, you're right. So the whole point of this scene is that Ginny's underwear is stolen. And uh, I don't know. Whatever. I don't, know. I don't know if it was meant to be a thing where they're like going to set up a TN as like a thing. Like a red herring thing? Yeah. But it. I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, I, couldn't I, confirm or deny that one to you either way. Yeah, you're right. 
So, um, so then we then we see that Jen, Jenny, Ginny, Virginia, is uh, she's meeting. She's having these uh, sessions with uh, Dr. a doctor, a psychiatrist, Doctor Faraday, who, for whatever reason, she calls by his first name. She Again, calls, weird energy between Ginny and another older man. Weird energy between her and Doctor Faraday, who is played by Glenn Ford. Um, and so, like, we, why, why, why is she calling him that? No one knows. It's whatever. His The whole point of his existence is that he provides exposition, essentially. And they gave him, and, like, this ridiculous, like, pseudo-sci-fi name call-out. Yeah. Because there was a Dr. Faraday in real life, and he was not a psychiatrist. <laughs> it's like that lazy thing where... What's a famous... Like, they should have called him Dr. Yeah, Frankenstein. What's a famous, yeah. <laughs> this is my psychiatrist, Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> and so we learned from this scene that Ginny has experienced some sort of past trauma, right? She's, she was she's got some repressed memories. She was away from the school for a couple years and now she's back and now she's part of the popular clique, the top ten. And so she's meeting with Dr. Fair David. 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 Weirdly. To to deal with and to recover. She didn't she go didn't she have some crazy experimental yeah recovery thing that they like gloss like, over? Yes, it's totally glossed over. He t- gives her this big like pseudoscience explanation because apparently she's had brain surgery. Yeah. <laughs> he was somehow involved in it though. Like somehow he, the psychiatrist, was involved in her brain surgery. Yeah, and it's like oh, it was this new experimental thing, and you were the very first one, and it's just kind of like okay. And so we we we're in, we understand that something's going on there, or this is why it's affecting her memory. She doesn't like fully she, remember. She had an experimental brain transplant. This this trauma. And Doctor Faraday performed himself. Everyone's like, I don't know. And then there's that that weird the one part of the flashback. I don't know if it's this one or the next time she has a flashback where like she's kind of waking up in the middle of the surgery, and like no one really like pays super attention to that. Everyone's like, it's chill. It's chill. She's just getting new brain. Um, so then from here, we go and we discover that the top ten apparently love them some extracurriculars. Um, Again, the... Yeah. The crossover. We're at this um, this this scene, which is a, a motocross race. <laughs> Remember yeah. when that was a big thing, I guess? I, in the 80s? I don't know. And ATN is in the race, and all of his friends are there to cheer, uh, you know, for the the French guy bike racing. This is for and I'm like, you watch this scene, and they're like going like fucking wild, right? Like they're mad into this race, and I'm like, where you're standing, you can't even see the majority of the event you've come to watch. Like it's on a track. But whatever. My thing too is like, are French dudes like really into like? Is that like a was motocross a French thing? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it maybe, was. And maybe that's why Etienne is doing it. Yeah, he's like, oh, I gotta. I don't know. I gotta motocross because it's it's a big thing in France right now. Right, and then it's also not clear. Like we get the sense that it's like a school activity. Yeah, which my school never had. And I'm like, what the fuck? You weren't allowed to to bring your. Your bikes, your bike like on that. campus. Um, 
The other thing too is why is there always a French foreign exchange student? We never had a French foreign exchange. Actually, no. Oh my god, I lie. We did. Oh, they were actually French. Yeah, there was a guy. Oh, he wow. was there for like like a half the year. I don't remember his name, but I remember everyone talking about him, and he was like a pseudo. Like he was attractive, but I was yeah. like, how attractive are you, or are you just French? Um, I forget his right. name, but we did have a French foreign exchange student. That being said, it was one time in my 12 years of school that there was a French foreign right. exchange student. And most of the time we actually had Irish foreign exchange students because we had a program with a school in Ireland in where Ireland. we traded students. Yeah, it does seem that... French foreign ex- it like, does... Oh, is the French foreign exchange Yeah, student. the French one is like the go-to, the cliche. We never... We had a... Um, I had a uh, drama class my freshman year with... Um, an exchange student from China. Yeah. Um, but and this is interesting that, though, because I can't. It was like, is it usually the male or the female French foreign exchange student? Because I guess I feel like I've seen yeah. both. You know. Anyway. Yeah, it is interesting, and it, it it's just weird. But anyway, he's, he's so we do the we do the scene, and I don't even remember if ATN wins. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he doesn't but win it, anything if he does. This is also the scene where, like, we get this, like, weird, under, like, this weird, like, relationship drama between everybody, right? Like, this group, like, they're, they just, they're doing this very incestuous, like, Russian roulette thing where, like, so-and-so, like, so-and-so, and then, like, so-and-so was dating so-and-so, and they, like, trade off. and Yeah, you don't do that. And if you do, I feel like you don't stay friends with those people. Yeah, it's all very weird. Um... But anyway, and then uh, ATN reveals that he reveals to Amelia, I think, that he has Ginny's panties, and she's like, "Yeah, he's like, I snuck in there when she was shearing her mother's grave." To yeah, her. and she's like, "You're fucking," or she's like, "You're really pushing it," or something like that. It's like the lamest, You're like pushing it, ATN. You're going too far, man. This yeah, isn't a game. Something like that, and then we're like, "Yeah, ATN's gross." Um, but it's all whatever because then we get the second murder, which is uh, our ATN's yeah. murder. And while ATN is fixing his French scarf, yeah, this is the yeah, like this the scarf is taken and thrown into the wheel, and it's the spinning wheel scarf death scene, and yeah, all all dead and gross and. It's actually, it's not a bad death scene. Yeah. It's just funny because, of course, there had, it had to be the French guy who had the scarf that got caught. Of course. In the spokes of uh, his, his motorbike. Of course. Yeah. And so and so we have the second death. But like the first death, um, it's just chalked up to a disappearance because everything from the murder is cleaned. I, I love a good tidy killer. <laughs> I like a I person love- who's like, I should lice all this. I love a killer in a horror movie who does their murders and then cleans up. Yeah. That's always just so amusing to me. It's like, look at you. Yeah. Look at you getting some Febreze on that bike. I mean, Bernadette had her throat slashed in the parking garage or whatever. That should be should have been blood everywhere. No, he's a tidy... Fact he or and, she is a tidy fellow. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love a good tidy killer. Yeah. And so that's what happens here. uh, we'll never know what happened to that underwear or why or why or anything and so and then after ATN drops off the face of the earth Ginny is like well what the hell and so she and Anne tried 
decide to play uh, Nancy Drew. And they break into Alfred's, like, studio or something. Which, okay, why is Alfred in the top ten? Why is he one of the popular kids? Like, he's Jack a... Bloom, or Jake Bloom. One of those. He is a teenage taxidermist. What the fuck? Uh, Norman Bates did that in season four of <laughs> Bates Motel, and it did not turn out well for anyone. No. Look how that happened. Um, that's just so weird. This, this movie is so weird, especially like... It is Jack. Jack Bloom. In this scene, because like, they break in and they uncover what appears to be Bernadette's head. And then Alfred is there and he's like, oh, Bernadette posed for me. I left, she must have left her head. Yeah, for a model. If you girls are good, you can pose for me too. And they're all just like, ah, Alfred. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Alfred doing his, his thing. Like, oh my god. However, we do get the this this is the scene where Anne wears that ridiculous riding jacket with her like pleat skirt or whatever. And I'm like, oh my she was god. Going for, she was like Madonna. She was like, I'm gonna try out a phase. I was like, oh the eighties. Oh the eighties. <laughs> Madonna. I'm going through a phase right now. Yeah, that's what it is. That's all it is, is Madonna phases. It's just constant Madonna phases. And so, so Alfred's super creepy, and then we all just kind of brush past that. What? Not, not, okay, not just Alfred, though. None of the guys act normal in this movie, ever. Yeah. They're all just, like, straight creepy in situations where it's like, why are you being creepy? You don't, like, you can be creepy, but, like, right now doesn't make sense for you to be yeah. creepy. It's, like, over-the-top creepy. Um, but I, that might just be, like, part of the larger, like attempt to be like who can who's who can we pin as the killer which like if you want to like breed into it though like with who ends up being the actual killer like you could say they were trying to make a statement they were not (laughs) but retrospectively you can be like okay it serves like the ultimate reveal because it's like a it's like a a, um subversion of like what what you'd expect and it's like yeah that's fine but they didn't know that when they were doing this exactly it's it's awkward because we know that you wanted it to be a ghost (laughs) yeah and so it's just weird the way they're written the way it's acted it's just so much of like teenagers don't talk this way yeah like like right after this we get the scene where uh they're like, hey, they're showing High Noon at the, the Cineplex. Like, let's, let's get I the love, whole gang together. I love going to watch, you know. She says, I love Gary Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> no one said that ever. No one says that. No one says that. You could have just said, hey, let's go to the movies. Literally. Why did you have to name a specific movie? Why did you have to have the Gary Cooper line? It's like. I passed, I passed um, the movie tavern on my way home today, and I saw that they were like flashing their their October schedule because they show retro movies from time to time and they're doing Rear Window and Halloween and stuff and I was just like, oh, I should get a movie pass. That was it. That was it? That was it. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, oh yeah, like I'd go see that shit. Right. Not like, oh, I love Grace Kelly. I like, love- <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I can get the whole gang to go. <laughs> I'm going to text them. I'm going to text the whole gang. Yeah. Oh, uh, anyway. 
So we've got that going on. Um, then we move on to our next kill, which oh. is um, Greg. Oh, Greg. Greg, Greg was just and- trying to get swole. He was trying to get swole. I love the, like, he very... He yoked. The, <laughs> the very leisurely conversation he has with his killer while working out. Of course, the, the killer, like, not their face not being shown to us, not saying a word the entire time. <laughs> I feel like they kind of played on this a little bit in, um... Uh, what was that movie we watched? Best Friends, whatever, something where the two girls killed everyone. They kill what's his face in a gym. Oh, um, oh my, I can see the poster. Yeah, the neon colors and yeah. it's like BFFs or something like that. Like tragedy you know, girls. Tragedy girls. Yeah, yeah, they they have a whole murder scene in a gym in Tragedy Girls. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely insane. Yeah, so what actually happens to Greg, Miss Mel? So, Greg's lifting weights. And, um, you know how... <laughs> Trying to get small. You know how when you lift weights, weights are pretty heavy. <laughs> um, Greg gets a little bit smushed. A <laughs> little bit smushed. Um, as, he's, as he's conversing with his, his lovely friend. Oh, you in the gym. Come spot me. This is like the third time it's said in the movie. Yeah, no. And um, Craig, Craig, not Craig. Oh, God. <laughs> First of all, Craig would never be lifting weights. Nope. Um, but Greg very much. He's in this. The other thing, too, is like it's the school's gym. Like you understand it's the school's gym. And like we had like a weight gym, I guess. Like I recall there being one, but I don't recall there. Like we didn't have like a ton of free weights. Like we had machines. Yeah, we had more machines, too. Um, Not a lot of free weights. But yeah, the the bench press will get you. Um, And basically, Greg gets crushed and destroyed by by his weights. He was not yoked. But, you know, you, the the man or woman who's been killing everyone, (laughs) uh, Is, is responsible. And, you know, it is what it is. Now, when we get to our... So, oh, sorry. Well, no, I was going to go into the next death, but you can... Well, I'm just thinking, like, so Greg makes the third student mm-hmm. to disappear, yeah. right? And I love that, like, no safety measures are taken in this community. Well, freaking, like, in Scream, like, one Nothing gets dies. canceled, there's no curfew, yeah. there's no, like, uh, signs, like, you know, don't walk alone, nothing. There's yeah, no- like, that. what literally, what's-her-face dies in Scream, and, like, the entire community shuts down. shuts down, loses its mind, because one chick was killed while babysitting. Um... You know, so it's like, but again, like, I feel like that's kind of more of the normal reaction you get in these kind of small, isolated towns is if, like, somebody was, like, eviscerated, you know, you'd react in a certain way. Like, I live in the greater Philadelphia area, so to us, when we're like, oh, somebody got murdered, you're like, oh, mm. Like, you know, nothing shuts down, but, like, you know, if you're in one of these undisclosed America towns that these things tend to take place in. Like, I feel like, you know, somebody gets strangled, two people get strangled, and then this kid dies on school property in the gym. He gets fucking smashed. Like, 
I feel like at that point you're like, okay, like we need to. That should be a big deal. Even like, even if it wasn't sequential, right? Like, even if there was no serial element to this, the fact that a student died at school <laughs> is grounds for at least a snow day. Like, right? Like it's weird. <laughs> or, um, hey, let's maybe send everybody home early. Yeah, and and you know, not to play into that, but you know, it is also a really popular rich student. Like, obviously, they pay attention to that shit because they are how they are. So it's like, it does not make sense that nobody's reacting to this. No, that not at all. That being said, and these the friends person... don't even notice Bernadette's missing for a couple days. No, the only one who is concerned is uh, Amelia, yeah. played by uh, Lisa Langlois. Yeah. Um, who um, just actually in the last couple years has sort of become a horror icon. She's enjoyed like a resurgence in part thanks to the cult status of... Uh, Happy birthday to me, but also a couple other movies. She um, was in a few. Yeah, she, she was. was. In a Poe movie. She was. Um, There's a really. Um, she was in the L word. Cool interview with her where she was like, "I had no idea that like any of these movies I did at the time that were so poorly received, like that anyone even cared about them." And she's sort of like, she's really appreciative, or she's been really appreciative after finding out that they do have these followings and this yeah. cult status in the horror community, like. She always, like, responds to her fan letters and stuff, and she goes to all these, like, horror conventions now, um, which I don't I think, I don't know. I think that's cool. Like, I like that. I feel like you don't get that in any other genre but horror. Yeah, because it is such, like, you know, you don't have, there's no action movie podcasts, or there's no, like, right. rom-com. I mean, there might be, but, like, they're not very vocal, and they don't really, like, reach out and try and find each other. Like, beyond, like, say, like, you know, following each other on Twitter or Tumblr or something like that. So I feel like it is very much, like, a weird little club. Um, yeah. Not little. Like, there's a lot of horror fans out there. But it is very much, like, you do horror and you're kind of revered by the fan base for for the rest of your your career, essentially. Um, yeah. And it's cool that, like, like, I just, I love the idea that she like did this movie and, or like kind of had her career or whatever. And then like went about her life, not thinking that anyone like really cared or appreciated the movies. And then like one day just like finds out that like a ton of people appreciated them. Yeah. Like I just like imagining her in that moment, finding that out like, and yeah, you're a part of this like cool cult thing that matters to a lot of people. And you can't fake you know, like a cult following. Yeah. You can't make something a cult thing. Because like nowadays, the cult following will tell you that you're a liar. Yeah. And nowadays, like so many people are trying to create cult followings. Like, fuck you, Scream Queens. Yeah. But Well, in like Riverdale and stuff, it's like... Exactly. You don't set out to make a cult following like it happens organically. It has to happen naturally. And yeah. So anyway, that's just a little aside about uh, Lisa Langlaw. Um so, her next death. Yes. Which is... Um, <coughs> it's it's her taxidermist. Yeah. Um, uh, Alfred. Yeah. So remember those garden shears that happened to be at her mother's grave? So <coughs> Ginny goes out to visit mom. And, like, I guess all the dudes are, like, into Ginny because Alfred's... Alfred, like, follows her out there like a creep, like you'd expect a taxidermy creep to do. Hey, Chris, you got a creep? Why don't you get a ferret? <sighs> um, so, 
Yeah, like he goes out there and she she freaks out. She like freaks out. Cuz you know, she's got her her weird unexplained, very glossed over repressed memories and PTSD and all this stuff and she um stabs him with the garden shears. Mhm. Um and there goes Alfred. <laughs> and there goes Alfred. And it's the weirdest moment because like you're like ah uh, 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 I don't know. Uh, and you're like, does this mean the killer is Ginny? Does does was she just like, did she just have a freak out? Does she even know what she did? And it's so weird because then like the movie just powers forward. Yeah, the movie's like. I don't, I don't know. Um, we have like some more like extracurricular things that we're at the soccer game where um. There's the most atrocious group of cheerleaders you'll ever see in a movie wearing these, like, dumpy purple uniforms. And all, all they're doing is jumping up and down the whole time. They're not actually, like, cheering or doing anything. It's hysterical. Um, there's some more, like, incestuous uh, partner swapping within the group. And then... Uh, Ginny goes on like a date, I guess, with Rudy in the chapel. Where I also like going on my dates. Yeah. And this is another one of those things where, so like they go up into the bell tower and then Rudy starts acting like a major fucking creep. And it's like, why are you acting like that? Like he literally pulls a knife. You know, on, on his, like on his date. On a, on a date. And there's this whole drama, and the editing is so weird, like, with what goes on in the bell tower. And it's a completely unnecessary scene, yet again. The only thing that comes out of it is that it triggers another flashback for Ginny, where she's starting to piece together more of this, like, unclear trauma about what happened to her. We know it involves the bridge. We know this... uh, Surgery is connected to it. It's the weirdest thing. And so we don't know what happens. We think that maybe Ginny has killed Rudy. Everybody starts looking for Rudy. There's like this whole, oh, we found a fake skull in the garden. Where do you keep your fake skull? And then, and then Rudy's just there. He's just back. And he's like, I'm fine. And Ginny's like, everyone was looking for you. And I was like, well, why didn't you say anything if you knew he was alive? I don't understand. Like, that was... I don't. That's confusing to me with the editing. So, anywho. Then we find ourselves at the school dance. Again, why was this not canceled in light of... In light of the student who died in the gym. Yeah. I don't know. Which, so... Oh, right. Okay, so everyone's wearing hideous outfits, of course. But also, like, this dance looks like it's, like, a legit, like, nightclub scene. I don't know. Maybe that's how you party at a prep school. Yeah. And so Ginny's... Or everybody's there, rather. And then Ginny and Steve leave with probably my favorite pickup line in the world, which is Ginny to Steve saying... I make great midnight snacks. You want to come over? <laughs> you want to come over? <laughs> and as it turns out, 
The midnight snacks are shish kebabs. You did see the, you know. Why is she making shish kebabs? Why is that a midnight Why snack? Why is that your midnight snack? You're a teenager. A great midnight snack to a teenager is opening a bag of chips. Yeah. <laughs> you literally just got to... I don't understand. I mean, it's just hysterical. It's hilarious. But I don't understand. Yeah, no. Um, I got, I got nothing. So, so they're there and they start making out in front of the fire with their shish kebabs, with their shish kebabs in between, you know, um, gnawing on, um, their late night Armenian dish. And, and then, uh, Virginia stabs Steve through the throat with the shish kebab. That's where you get your 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 poster image. That's right, the famous, notorious poster. Actually, um, they got in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah. Um, right, and so obviously down um, da, 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 with Steve. <sighs> so. I think I think this is where she freaks out again. Where um, she has another flashback. Yeah, because we're moving towards the climax now. Yeah. And she has another flashback, kind of revealing Well, did we or did we do the part I, where her dad is gone for her birthday? Right, her dad is gone. Yeah. Her dad's yeah. gone. It's her eighteenth birthday, it's but dad's gotta 18th. go. But dad is gone. Um, which is why they went home for their midnight snack. Um yeah, we kind of go into the sort of end game here. Yeah, which is really weird. There's a shower scene. <laughs> yeah, so Steve is dead, and then, like, she has a flashback, I think, on her own. Yeah. After, where... Well, yeah, because I don't know if she has a flashback or she just stabs him, and then afterwards she has the flashback. Yeah. And that's, like, when we start to piece together a little bit more. And then... We're moving towards the, the climax, and Anne comes over the next morning. For the shower. Yeah, and then there's this whole shower thing where Ginny sees Anne dead in the bathtub, and so she goes and gets her psychiatrist. David. <laughs> and David comes over, and there is no Anne in the bathtub anymore, and so Ginny's freaking out. She feels like she's going insane. And then... David is pushing her. You have to remember. You have to remember your trauma and why it's connected to your friends. And at which point you're just like, I, I also, I'm just, I want, I need to, I need to close this one out. I need to know. Yeah, <laughs> I need to know. And that is when we get like the sort of like done, done reveal moment. I'm pretty sure of yeah. like sort of like the whole story of what happened with the bridge and the trauma. Mm -hmm. And and so oh, yeah, because she starts to. So, like, she starts to think that she might be doing it, I feel like. Is that it? Like, she was like, oh, maybe I'm the one killing them. And then she recalls, but I don't like... Remember. Yeah, she recalls, like, um... Her mom was, like, new money or something? Or, like, new to the town? Like, I don't know if she, like, moved there or what it was. But they're at, like, Ginny's party. And, um... Nobody comes to her party. They all go to fucking Anne's party instead. Which, like, you know, true, that happens. That happens to a lot of us. Um, 
I remember I had a friend who had, apart from the fact that we had birthdays a week apart, we also made our um, graduation parties like a week apart. And I got really mad because I decided on the date for mine first and then she swooped in. (gasps) And then did you have to change the date? No, we just, we just shared our friends. We figured it out. Yeah. But it made me mad. Um, so her mom was like drunk at the party. Um, and she was like, she got into like, she got into like a fight or something with Anne's parents because she was drunk. And yeah, then, she's mad. So, yeah, she takes, they drive over to Anne's parents' house. Yeah, to like go. Where there's like a gatekeeper. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, they're rich. Yeah, they drive over there to be like, oh, like. Fuck you. Fuck you for doing this to my daughter. Um, and the mom is drunk, like, and she's like swerving and drunk driving. And on the way back is when the draw, they go to the drawbridge. Mm-hmm. And they crash. And the mom dies and she survives yeah and this is her trauma and this is the trauma and then it's it's never clear but i assume because of the accident like that's why she has the surgery and then the brain or whatever and then that's why she can't remember the trauma um i don't know i love the actress um sharon acker who plays uh jenny's mom She's so wonderfully over the top and extra. Right. <laughs> Just like screaming and drinking and God damn you. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so yes. Yeah, so this is a trauma. Like you'd think like she killed somebody in the past or something like, no, she had nothing to do with this. It was just that her friend like made her party what it was. And then her mom got angry about it and drunk drove off the drawbridge. Right. And then mom died. Um, but then Ginny is like, Oh my God, I think it might be me. Like, think i might be doing it goes to david and where she's like suddenly cares about that like glossed over aforementioned um brain transplant (laughs) or whatever the hell it was that she had um she's like can we talk about that and i'm wondering if you can see where this is going (laughs) yeah um and you know he's like doesn't want to talk about it he's just like her trauma and you know eventually she's like fuck you david and she stabs him with a um a thing, a um, fire poker. A fire poker. I was like a, a stick poker for the. A stick, a stupid, a flick and flare. Um, so yeah. then, Harold's dad. Is Harold's dad? Somebody comes back. Yeah. Then her dad comes back. Oh, her dad comes Harold. back. Yeah. And he's like, "Hi, I made it for your birthday." But like, the house is empty. Yeah. And she's not there. He finds all the blood from. Uh, David. The stabbing. The stabbing. And then he goes into the, then he is wandering around outside and goes to the summer cottage. Because they have this, a summer cottage. You know. On, on their property. Which is where uh, Ginny's mom was having her birthday party for her, like, whatever, three, four years ago, the night of the accident. Mm-hmm. So then he goes in uh, down to the summer cottage. And of course, it's raining and storming exactly as it was. On a night night just like this. And on his way, he finds his wife's grave, which has been dug up and disturbed. And the casket is empty. And then then there's David lying in the mud next to it. And he's like, what the fuck? (laughs) So then dad walks into the cottage. And I love that moment. There's like, did you catch it? Because like, as soon as he walks in, like, that's when the film stock changes. 
<laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, now we're in the last 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he gets in there. And I do really like this scene because, well, I think they they use it at the end of the scene. But, like, mm-hmm. for the most part, there's no music, which is really effective. Yeah. Yeah, and I, like, that's, like, kind of a thing in older stuff where they, like, music to them, I feel like, was actually kind of distracting. Yeah, it's certain. Yeah, so yeah, it's, like... It was almost kind of, like, when you want to highlight tension. Yeah. You, you score. Um, which is still used occasionally now. Yeah. So anyway, so dad turns on the lights and he's greeted to the now famous and macabre scene of a recreation of Ginny's birthday party with um, all of the guests who were meant to attend now sitting at the table. But of course, all of the guests who were meant to attend are all of our murdered teenagers. You know. Their corpses are now propped up and sitting at the table along with the decayed corpse of uh, Mrs. I don't know their last name. I don't know if it's said. Mrs. Mrs. Ginny's. (laughs) Mrs. Ginny's mom. Is also there. And then Ginny comes out and she has a birthday cake. And dad is breaking down and he's like, why, why? And then she puts a birthday hat on him. (laughs) And it's so the the exposition comes out and it's like, oh, it's revenge for everybody not coming to the birthday party and leading to the death of mom. And then dad gets his throat slit and falls into the cake and there's blood pooling around the cake. Um, I love that line. Where, Does daddy want a big piece or a little piece? Yikes. But then, but then after dad dies, Ginny goes over to the face down body of Anne, pulling it up to reveal that Anne is not Anne. Anne is Jenny. Dun, dun, dun. And you're like, what? Is it a twin thing? Is it Buffy instead of Muffy? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not. In fact, Anne is Jenny, but Jenny is Anne. What? what? This yes. thing that you didn't even know you thought you, you like had to think about? You had to think about, yes. So the real Ginny pulls off this like intricate latex mask off of the fake Ginny to reveal that the killer is Anne. Yeah. And so the final part of the story comes out, which is that Ginny's mother was Anne's father's mistress. And it broke up their marriage and Anne's mother left them. And then Ginny's mother went and married Ginny's father and whatever. I don't know. (laughs) So Anne and Ginny are actually half sisters. And Anne blames Ginny and her mom for destroying her family and her life and da 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 da. And you shouldn't even exist. Um, and she's she's shouting, and there's lots of jowl movement going on. Um, and she's got those Pat Benatar cheeks. 
Um, and so it's the final confrontation and it's over the top and it's absolutely ridiculous and unforgettable. And it's also completely fabulous. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. Stewie. Did you just stab you? my cat. In your, in your excitement at the ridiculous ending? No, I went to reach for him. I didn't realize how close he was. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, there's like the briefest of struggles and then real Ginny stabs real Anne in the stomach and she dies. And the movie ends as a police officer walks up to the cottage and is like, what have you done? And that, my friends, is happy birthday to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it better? Do you like it better the same or worse than um, uh, the one we did last year or two years ago? Than Bloody Birthday? Yeah. <sighs> what a question. I like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like Bloody Birthday because I love a good evil kid movie. Uh-huh. But I like Happy Birthday to me because I think the kills are more fun. Okay. Oh, yeah. No. I can see that. We, we like, and then we get that very like, and the party. I think the party scene at the end makes it right, like with all mm. the corpses around the table. Like, yeah, that's a very like sort of ritualized like tour of the dead. They mm-hmm. call the the soap and slasher movies, you know, um, and and a unique way of of sort of doing that. Um, so I think that whole scene is fun and iconic because you know then it just like becomes high camp right with the reveal of uh that it's Anne and that they're sisters and all this bullshit um various other bullshits yeah so i i guess happy birthday to me i like a little bit more how about you um yeah like i like it because it's like they're they're somewhat different like i guess you could both consider them both slashers but um like there's so much weird, stupid mythologizing of um, Bloody Birthday that it's like, you know, it's like. But at the same time, you could like in reverse. It's like okay, like there's a really weird, stupid reason for this as well, right? Yeah. So it's like I don't. I like them both in their like high camp stupidity. Yeah, they're good for a, they're good for a laugh. Yeah, and they're good for for this you know just like talking about the ridiculousness of both of them yeah for sure yeah so i mean it's what it is um but yeah i mean it it, it's interesting because the movie ended up getting banned in the uk um (laughs) as like being like overly um obscene or whatever um, which was kind of a campaign that happened in the wake of um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I feel mm-hmm. like it was the one that kind of started that. Not started it, but was part of the reason that this whole like obscenity act or whatever in the UK happened. Um, and yeah. The, 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 the poster. Right. The, um, oh, the, uh, 
the video nasties. Yes. They called them. Yeah. Yeah. And was the ones. Yeah, this was definitely one of those. Which is interesting because I've seen things saying that um, they cut a lot of the gore. Yeah. The intense gore. And even just watching it again in preparation for the show, um, there's not there's not a ton. No. Well, but and it's like by today's standards, there's not a ton, right? Like sure. I don't I don't know what what was going on back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine at the day, like, the barbell scene would have been really shocking. Yeah. And a couple of the others. Obviously, the, the shish kebab. <laughs> yeah, the shish kebab and the... And the the great midnight snack. Great, great, great midnight snacks. Midnight snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a reason you're not just making popcorn? Yeah. <laughs> and a bag of chips. Right. And some fries. What are you doing? What is this about? So, but it's a fun time. Happy birthday to me. And um, if you haven't seen it and you're convinced by our chat about it to check it out, you really should. Yeah. It wasn't available for a long time. Um, and it was a lot of the sort of the fans developing that cult following that like wrote petitions and and sort of got it so that it could be viewed and distributed again, which is kind of cool. So, anyway. Well, I think we will um, start to wrap things up then. Ms. Mel, would you be kind enough to tell our lovely listeners where they could get in touch with us if they wanted to talk about happy birthday to me or send their birthday wishes mm-hmm. if you'd like to tell us happy birthday you can do that at first of all you can email us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com we've been getting some traffic there so thank you guys uh, you can tweet us at splatterchatter666 minus all the vowels if that is too difficult you can just type it in you'll find us um, you can find us on instagram at splatterchatter666 you can find us on tumblr at splatterchatter.tumblr.com uh, you can find us on Stitcher now as well. I don't know if you can like communicate there at all, but you know we're there. Um, and then <laughs> give it a uh, shot. You can find Craig's blog at splatterchatter666.blogspot.com. Yes, and speaking of the blog, um, well, at the time of this episode, um, I will have already started. But now that we are in September, it is once again time for me to um, challenge myself. To provide lots of content for you guys during the spooky season with my 31 by 31 challenge. That's uh, 31 horror movie reviews that I've never reviewed before on the blog, published and put up on the blog between September 1st. I'm giving myself more time this year. Between September 1st and October 31st. So by Halloween, I will have reviewed 31 horror movies that I've never reviewed before on the blog for you guys to check out. I'm doing uh, a less version of that where I'm just I'm just reading some stuff and maybe talking about and talking it. about it. yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah I know uh, yeah and I know you're putting those up on your website I think yeah but it's not going to be quite as in depth or meticulous as Mr. Prager's thirty one by thirty one challenge yes I'm excited I've got I've got most of well I've got a, I got part of a list down of stuff that I um want to check out for the first time in reviews stuff that I've already seen but haven't reviewed yet um 
So yeah, be on the lookout for that over on the blog. Now, also don't forget to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash splatterchatter666. That's where you can find out all about the show, how it came about, some more information about Miss Mel and myself, and where you can find out the different kinds of uh, awesome rewards that you guys can get if you choose to become a donor and donate to the show at either one, five, or ten dollars a month. Nice. Now, if you can't support the show in that way, don't forget that uh, we would love a rating or a review on iTunes if you get the chance. Um, that will keep us in iTunes algorithms for people searching for horror podcasts. Yeah, woo. Woo. So, guys, we want to thank you for joining us on our birthday episode. We will, of course, uh, see you again in two weeks. We'll be even deeper into fall at that point. And getting geared up for Halloween. So, until that time, my friends, you guys be sure to keep up the creep. And we will say au revoir, adios, and das vidani.